0: My son hates having his toenails cut. Now, when I say hates having his toenails cut, I'm not talking about he squirms or he's ticklish. I'm talking about wrestling a gator. I'm talking about throwing a towel over his head, my wife and I wrestling down and trim those eagle claws of his that grow every other day with the volume of milk that he consumes. And rather, it's always an ordeal. I mean, Max would gladly challenge the Guinness... World record for longest fingernails anytime. He would love to do that. He hates having his nails cut. So the other day, he's in the TV trance before school, and I said, hey, bro, come over here and let me put your socks on you. And I know what you're thinking. He's big enough, and he is big enough, but he doesn't remember that. He's watching SpongeBob. So he comes sits beside me, and out of the corner of his eye, he sees that I have fingernail clippers, and he starts screaming at the top of his lungs, you tricked me, you tricked me. Patty, you tricked. I mean, it was awful. It was like somebody was you know, like catching an animal or something. It was really bad. So uh, I know that a lot of times when you come to church, it feels like that, especially if you're visiting here today. And you've, you've, got the, you've got the MO. Maybe somebody invited you, and, and you're here for the first time, maybe in a long time of seeking Christ, or maybe you've never considered Jesus Christ until, until your friend invited you out. And inevitably, there's certain things that you're going to be afraid that you're going to hear about or that you've heard of these taboo things like hell and all of these weird things that, that maybe just, just seem really strange to you. But I want to encourage you because this month, and it's not this month only, but this month what we have done with this series called Mutate is take things that God uses to build your faith. I'm talking about basics. I think you could add to this list. I don't think, from experience of over a couple decades and watching lives and all that, I don't think you, you could you could subtract for it from it. So today, I don't want you. We really look at what we're going to look at. I don't want you to feel like my son, like that we real gentle for one thing. You're going to get blessed. You're going to feel good because you are. I hope that today sets you free on one of the things that God uses to mutate, to transform, to change your life. And you're going to see this. I hope God's greatest desire. Is that you come up to this point of initiation, that you do enough investigation, you consider Jesus Christ, you listen to messages, you read books, you read the Bible, you do all of these things. And you come to this conclusion that Jesus Christ really is whom he says he is, and that you invite him into your life, that he died and rose again for you, and that you make a decision to follow him, that you you, 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 you bow your heart to him and invite him into your life. That is what it's all about. We're going to see that in just a moment. But from that moment, God wants to do something radical, and he wants to build your trust. He doesn't want to build trust in you. He wants to build your trust in him. We get it backwards. So we do all these things. where you please make me? Get real frustrated. God doesn't answer. Things go bad. Circumstances change. Do you love me? I don't, you know, it's like, no, no, no. God's not trying to build trustworthiness in you or me. He's trying to build faith in us, trust in him. God wants us to trust him, and he knows if we trust him, that inevitably we become trustworthy. I want to dive right into this, and I want you to see this with me in Matthew. So check this out with me in Matthew 22. This is one of those bare-bone things God used to build the faith. I want you to check this out with me. Matthew 22, verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. This is Jesus. These are religious people. Let's see how we can mess Jesus up. What is something... We could throw, what, what is a grenade socially, politically? Let, let's just think of something and let's lob this into the crowd. They got their subject matter. We read on. Just know that they're trying to set Jesus up. It's, it's going to be one of those moments because these are people that want to be known for being known. You know, They want to be known for God. They want you to know they're religious. They want you to know what they believe. They want you to know all of that. They're those, those type of people. Instead of trusting God and knowing God, they wanted to be known of God. They wanted to be, hey, look at me, I'm connected to God. It brought clout for their lives. God was looking to expose these religious people. Now, they weren't the only ones of God. These were religious leaders. These weren't just like people that go to church and hang out. These were these were the, the guys. They were the seminarians or whatever, theologians you want to, whatever you want to call them. They were the cats. And, and they were trying to trip Jesus up. They were all about image and what they knew rather than exposing God exposing their heart and them taking responsibility for their lives. So just know kind of what's going on there. Look at verse 16 with me. And they sent, him, they sent to him their disciples with Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm God. He said, you know, there's all these religious systems, but none of those add up. I am God. I mean, that is a huge statement. And so they had heard him, and they weren't disagreeing with that. Look at this, teacher, we know that you are true, and you teach the way of God in truth. Not only are you true, but you teach us truth in a way that is true. I mean, they are just really setting him up. Nor do you care about any person or anyone. What that means is you don't care about what people think. For you do not regard the person of man. You don't care what people think about you. You don't care if it upsets people what you teach. You teach truth. And, and here was the, and this was what Jesus was all about. You got to know this. This is what he was all about. He had already revealed it. We saw this verse uh, in this series a few chapters ago. So it's like known. He said, "For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost." He said, "I am God. I came into human form. I came into human form so you would know what God looked like. So you would know what God acted like. So you know what God would do if he were if he were in your shoes. This is what God would do. Not only that." I am come to die eventually. He kept telling people he was going to die, and nobody believed him. Even, his, even the guy's close to him just didn't hear that. They didn't want to hear that. It wasn't what they were about. He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to rise again. He has laid all this out. He has said, I am the only way to the Father. I am the only way to heaven. He had said all of this. They weren't disagreeing with that. And I want you to know that that is at the heart of Jesus' message, that he loved people enough to step into story, and if you will let him, he will step into your life when you believe and ask him into your life. He'll do that for you. He'll do, he's, he's done it for many of us. He'll do it for you also. But just know that that, that is what it was all about. They weren't refuting that. You know, he, 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 he was saying to them and to us, if you're seeking, I'm the one. They didn't argue with that at all. But they wanted to trip people up. They wanted to lob a live grenade into this conversation that would turn people away from Jesus Christ. Because if they turn people away from Jesus Christ, it kept them, it kept their powers intact. They let them do what they wanted religiously. And let them it, don't don't overlook the Herodians' part. They these were guys that wanted to act like 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 they wanted to be Jewish, but they wanted to act like the Greeks. They wanted to be a, a, they wanted people to think they were religious because that's what they thought mattered all that you can show, all that you can say, all that you can appear, and people can sing your praises, but they didn't have God in their lives. They weren't connected to God personally. They wanted to live like the Greeks. They, they wanted to, to decimate things. They wanted to live however they wanted to live, but they wanted to put this veneer over them so that says, I'm religious. It's the very thing that aggravates you and I. It aggravated Jesus. But here's what they say to him in verse 17. You ready for this? They're going to they're gonna lay it on him. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? I mean, here here we go. It's about the cash. You thought it was just TV preachers, man. You thought it was just people, you know, on uh, HGN or, or Fox or whatever, creating these arguments of preachers always want money they are always calling for money. Notice these were religious people pointing out to Jesus something or get, trying to trap him. And they knew they didn't use sex they, did, they didn't use spies. They, they didn't do any of that at this point. What they did was they threw out cash. Because there's one thing that tenses people up, religious or irreligious, and that's to talk about money, especially if you're a religious figure. So, but it's amazing. Check this out. Look at the verse. They didn't talk about the tithe. They didn't talk about what the Bible said about giving. They talked about taxes. If you, if you look at us today, back then taxes were offensive. You know they they didn't write they didn't get to write off their second toga back then they didn't get to, to claim dependence man they they gave money and they they were basically it was highway robbery with taxes so when you wanted to talk about money and you wanted to offend people if you're going to offend people spiritually about money then you talk about taxes well how is it today it's just the opposite we're used to paying taxes we get these breaks we do this we get all this but if if, if you talk about God and cash then you get offended. These people were just the opposite of us. They, they didn't get offended talking about God and money. They had grown up hearing it. They had grown up hearing about the tithe. They had heard all this stuff that God wants you to give. It was a part of their lives. It's a part of their system. It was part of the ritual, just like taxes are for us. So they didn't get offended about giving to God. They were offended at giving to the government. It's kind of flip-flops. You just know a couple thousand years, it's flipped. Just know that. They threw this thing in there. But here's the reality. No matter what they could have said, verse 16 that we looked at is the heart of what God was about. About people personally discovering Him and people personally knowing Him, but but we, they from this grenade. Let's look at verse eighteen. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and says to these religious people, "Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. Show me the money." So they brought him a denarius. That's a day's wage for the average worker. It was about a penny. That's a big bucks, isn't it? And he said to them, "Whose image and inscription is this?" They said unto him, "Caesar's." Here he goes, man. No matter what he says, it's going to be the wrong answer. And then they say to him, Caesar's, and he said unto them, render therefore to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and to God, render, bring, not give, render, bring. Give, bring to God the things that are God's. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Probably the first time in history that a person that was associated with any kind of faith background spoke about money It was a hot topic. He was going to offend somebody. If they didn't go away offended, they went away amazed at his answer. They had had all this spiritual training. And so their their hang-up wasn't giving at a local assembly. Their hang-up was giving to the government. Ours is flip-flopped. But nobody left mad. It's amazing. Probably the first time ever that a preacher, a pastor, a shepherd, a speaker, a bishop, whatever the case, spoke on money. And there wasn't people all jacked up. And I I want you to see what we're going to look at today because we're going to give a statement in a moment, but you've got to have this verse. I just want you to see that cash is this hot spot, even in Jesus' time, that he had some things to say about it. And his answer, you know, in verse, uh, his answer where he says, render unto God, we're like, whoa, we need more background than that. In verse 21, we don't know all that they knew about, about finances and tithe. I mean, these are the Jewish people. We don't have the background they have. So we're going to unpack that today. But I want you to see probably why they weren't offended and what they were amazed at eventually at what Jesus had to say. Look, we've got to begin here in this it's awkward verse, but look at this with me, Malachi 3.10, great verse. Bring all the tithes, what's a tithe, Jamie? A tenth, you know, not two-fifths, you know, not two-fifths equal a tenth, like, okay, that was just a joke. But anyways, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, tithe is a tenth of your income. The, the, the house, local storehouse, is now the local church. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, if you say, Jay, is it just Old Testament? Those of you that are like, oh, man, you're wrestling with Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. No, no, you're wrestling. And how do you compare that with Proverbs 3, 9, and 10? Just remember Matthew twenty three twenty three. If you're like, no, that's Old Testament, man. Jesus did away with that. Jesus did not do away. With the tithe, I want you to know that in Matthew twenty three twenty three. So, just if you're a Christ follower, just chapter it down. Matthew twenty three twenty three. Now, let's go back. I want to give you the statement, and I want to I want you to see how God was trying to teach them about finances. Look at the statement with me. God grows my faith through my finances. God grows my faith through my finances. If you listen to some speakers on TV, maybe in churches, on the radio, it, it's God grows your finances through faith. That's what turns you off. That's a turn off to me big time. I was listening to this cat. I could listen to him for about 30 seconds. He has a huge ministry, big ministry. He's a very gifted speaker. But everything is about how finances build your, or or, I'm sorry, how, you know, God grows your finances through your faith, that God wants to manipulate your faith to grow your bank account. Some of you have heard this term, health and wealth, prosperity gospel. That's what it's all about. That is not true. What is true is this, God grows my faith through my finances. God's not interested in you giving more to the church so your bank account can grow. That's not what God's interested in. God's interested in growing your faith, and one of the things that he uses, this is a key component, is your finances. We look at this month at pivotal relationships, uh, I'm sorry, strategic relationships, pivotal circumstances, practical teaching. God uses all of that. God uses God uses all of those things in your life. listen to the podcast but I want you to know that something we skirt around and I love the fact that Jesus did not is this piece of our faith and finances. I want you to go to with me I've asked you to do this this whole series. I want you to go we fly at about 30,000 feet. I want you to go above what, what a safe oxygen level for us is emotionally and spiritually and just for a moment let's put on let's put on a suit. And let's let's get let's get the pressure equalized, and let's go to about seventy thousand feet. Let's look down from God's perspective, and let's see what He sees. And I want you, I want you to do this. I've asked you the whole series. Do this with practical teaching. Do this with strategic relationships. Do this with your circumstances. And I want to ask you to do to do that with me today. Of all the tools that are difficult for God to build with, this has to be one of the most difficult for Him. How does God use finances to build? my faith in him after I trust Jesus Christ. First of all you got to begin with this with this thought God's view of himself and finances God has this view of money of cash, of stuff and himself and here's what it is I own it all Jesus says uh, God says in Psalms that he had, owns the cattle on a thousand hills that's a really goofy statement for us today but back two or three four thousand years ago that meant that he owned, his wealth was immeasurable, it was innumerable God says I own it all So honor me from jump straight with your money. From the moment that you trust Christ, begin to honor me with every area of your life. Begin to honor me with with your finances, with everything. Here's God's view. You're not earning his favor. You are acknowledging his goodness. You're not saying, if I give my tithe, I will get your favor. That's not what this is about. Even though, let's go back to the verse, leave the verse up. Even though the verse does say that will happen. But from God's perspective, ultimately, when we bring the tithe, we are are not earning his favor. We are acknowledging his goodness. We are are acknowledging his greatness. We are saying, you are good to me. You own it all. You have blessed me, and I can trust you. I want you to know that giving back to God is about faith. It is not about finances in themselves. It's not about budgeting. You're going to see this in a minute. It is all about faith. That is one of the most difficult things to remember about God. So just remember God's view of himself and finances is I own it all. So we're up at 70,000 feet. We're looking down and we're saying, God, how do you look at yourself with money? How do you look at yourself with stuff and cash flow and prosperity and all this stuff? And he says, listen, I own it all. And when you choose to honor me, you're not earning my favor. You're not earning my love. You have that already. What you're primarily doing is you're acknowledging my goodness in your life. You're acknowledging my greatness. You're saying, listen, God, you can take care of me, and I trust you enough to do that. Look at this with me, God's view of you and finances. God doesn't just have a view of himself, he has a view of you and I. God's view, if he owns it all, is I'm blessing you for enjoying my goodness. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, and the reason I'm blessing you is because you're enjoying my benefits in your life. It's this thought right here, what Stephen what and I say a lot from the stage. It's owning versus managing. And what God did was he said, listen, I want you to bring, I want you to return the tithe. And I want you to manage the 90. The first step is giving in God's economy. We make it the last. God says give a 10th, we throw in a 10 spot. You know, we say, hey, I've given a C note for the year. God, you should be so proud of me. And God said, I would be if you made $1,000 a year. But, but I've set the standard of bringing the 10th and you managing the 90. And we say, God, listen, I cannot do that. I have got credit card bills. I, I have got all of this stuff going on. And, and we think, you know, because we try to be the source. You do not understand. We, we, you say, God, listen, we're the owners. You're trying to take my money. Go back to part one. Remember this. God doesn't need your money. It's not your money. It's his money. God owns all. He's the source of it all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is God's and everything on earth is God's. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. And he gives us the ability to produce, to earn, to live, to have a great time. He says, listen, this is the mindset I want you to have. I want you to have the mindset that you are the manager and I am the owner. And to help you remember that, I'm going to set up this system called the tithe. I'm going to set up this principle on a system called the tithe. And if you will, by faith, return the tenth, I will bless the ninety more than you could spend the hundred percent. I will turn the ninety into more than you could make the hundred percent. And I here's what I've watched after wrestling with this personally, after watching this in so many people's lives, here's what I've come to realize. Every message series that we talk about with the team it's always about, like, when we come to this subject, we got to be real. You know, we got to guise things. we got to trick people. We've got gears here's the magic cat. It's like, Max, you tricked me. I didn't know that was coming. And I've just kind of moved from that. Now, I want you to know we're going to do creative things. But from my heart and from our church, especially if you're new, everything we do creative has nothing to do with, gimmick, with gimmicks and imagery for me. It has everything to do creating a teaching moment where God can intersect your life. We're going to do some fun things in October. We're going to do some crazy stuff. We're going to have a great time. We're going to push the envelope on creativity for the size of our church and our bank account and whatever we can do to effectively create the gospel. But for LifePoint Church, it has nothing to do with gimmicks and tricks. And so the teams always, and they mean well, because most of them are very business-minded. And I know where they're coming from. But we should tell them where the you know, we should let them know where the offering goes. And they and everybody that that tithes can know that. But here's what I've come to find out. It has nothing to do with where the offering goes. It has nothing to do with budgets, seeing it in your bulletin. It has nothing to do with buy-in, like, well, I like Jamie's message this week, I'm gonna tithe. I like the music, the kids are getting taken care of. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with starting at one point. Like, okay, I'm going to start, and this is a, this is the one I've wrestled with, with our team. Okay, Jay, let, let's just teach them to give. Listen, we've got Dave Ramsey's book. We've got all this crap stuff. Let's start at five bucks. Let's start at 1%, and let's move them there. I'm like, okay. You know, you guys do whatever you want. That's fine. But, but here's the bottom line. Until you get to the 10th, all of that stuff, it may be a step of faith, but it's not what God said. And so the big picture is this. The reason that we don't want to view finances the way God does with our peace is because of fear. And the question is, why trust God enough to do what he says. It's, it's, It's tough to let go of ownership. We do this in every area of life. If you look at most of the stuff in the New Testament, it was to get people to quit owning things. Think about every area of your life that you've struggled with. It was an ownership issue. Think back to when you were single and weren't married, and you could amen the messages on, you know, you you should only have sex with your spouse, and, you know, not before, not someone else after. You're like, amen, but think back to when you were single. That was a tough piece for many of us. So we understand this owning and management. God, I'll give you my this part and this part, but I can't give you my sexuality. God, I can't give you my identity. I find my identity in my sexuality and my job. I just can't. I'll give you everything else. And that's the very thing that God God regrettably lets us destroy ourselves with. God, I give you everything but my addiction. I give you everything but my hustle. I give you everything but my relationship. I give you everything but my communication to my spouse. I give you everything but my temper and the way I treat people around me. We do it with all kinds of areas. But the one that we feel justified in blowing up in is the one that Jesus was not afraid to talk about in the sense that he knew who was in the audience. He knew there were people there that were unbelievers. He knew there, there were people there that were Everybody was a new believer. They were not like some 50-year-old Christians in the audience. He hadn't even started the church yet. They were brand-new converts. And he didn't duck away from that question because he knew that most of our lives would be spent spending money, earning money, thinking about money, arguing about money, wondering where the next piece of, uh, of whatever, the next wind financially is going to come, or windfall, or the next devastation. God knew we would struggle with that. If you read the New Testament, if you read just the the, the, the books that talk about Jesus' ministry, he talked about cash and stuff a lot more than heaven, hell, even the mission. It's unbelievable. But God knew the grip that this would have on our lives, and I wish, as a pastor, I would be the greatest pastor ever. I would write books, and I would rarely be here, and even have to speak all the time because I'd be the greatest leader on the planet. If I could just do a message that showed all the practical reasons that you should obey God, I'm talking about in any area, like. You should obey God sexually because of this. You should obey God financially because of this. You should raise your kids God's way because of this. And and then everybody would just do it. Listen, man, I I would pastor. I wouldn't be pastoring. Churches would be paying me millions of dollars. Denominations would pay me millions of dollars to come in and speak to their groups to get their people to do what God has told them to do. I wouldn't even have to pastor. I love pastoring. There's nothing else I want to do on, on the planet. Other than start more churches with you. That's all I want to do with my life. But here's what I know I could come up with the most succinct, greatest intellectual argument for giving on the planet. But that's not the problem. The reason that you and I run from God with cash, the reason that we think God understands. Because we have a house payment and kids in private school and we have credit card bills so we don't tithe and we don't give him the first fruits. We don't start with giving. We think that we're going to get a pass for that and we kind of ignore and we hope that the message on, you know, we hope we don't hear and we hope we don't read about. None of that has to do with budget balance. None of that has to do with with an intellectual argument. It all comes back to the fear of giving up ownership. And so we think we get a pass. So we trade the blessings. God wants us to be a manager, so we trade the blessings of managing, which God has to come through for us. For the blessings of owning, which is worrying. We say, you know, managing, we have a place to turn for our God to God for our needs. But when you're the owner, when you say, God, I don't want you to, I don't want to be the manager. I don't want to have to trust you. That's ultimately what it is. I don't want to believe in you. I want to believe in my boss. I want to believe in the bonus. I want to plan for the the Christmas, whatever. I I want to trust that. I don't want to trust you, God. Now, think about my job when I'm saying this, but it was this way when I worked for General Motors also. There's nothing new under the sun. We've seen it 2,000 years ago. It was the same. The issue is ownership. We want to trust something else other than God, because God is not always on, on, our, on our timetable. God doesn't do things the way we think He should. He doesn't backlog things. He, he doesn't do. He doesn't do exactly what the Pharisees taught the people that if you do this, God will do this. So it's all this performance trap rather than a real relationship. But He has established principles like the one we're looking at today to grow your faith in Him and its finances. But we pick on Him. And here's the reason why. Let me say it again. It is not because of the eloquent speaking from the stage, which it could definitely improve, no doubt. It's not because you haven't heard it on the radio. It's not because it's been misconstrued, although it has in many many fashions. It's because we fear trusting God. And so we hear a message, we throw in a 20, it gives us our, oh, thank you, God. And God says, you missed the whole boat. It's not about your cash, I own it all, God says. It's about your heart and your lack of trust in me. And there's something about not trusting God with an area in it. It's this way for all of us. That we keep learning that lesson over and over again. I remember before I surrendered my dating life to Jesus, I kept making the same mistakes. They were different faces. They had different hair color. They drove different kind of cars, and they had different career goals, but I kept making the same mistakes until I said, you know what? You have permission in this area of my life. I will obey you in this area of my life. Two weeks later, I I began dating my wife. I knew my wife at the time, but I had already blown up once with her. Got a second chance. And I've noticed in my in my walk and I've and I've seen this long enough. I used to be I used to be rattled as a young Christian because I would read the Bible and I would trust God that He would know what He said, except for my areas that I didn't want to give up ownership in. And I would feel really, you know, hesitant. I can't talk about that, especially early in the ministry. And I had to make everything work, and I had to trick and pull out the Bible. Oh, we thought you were going to use Zig Ziglar's book, and you pull out the Bible. Oh, what a great trick, you know, and, you know. The, no, the principles aren't Zig Ziglar. The Bible. Look that high in you know, a high five. Great message, Jamie. And then everybody goes to lunch, and no lives are changed. And Jesus did not operate that way. He was at the beginning of his ministry. I remember the beginning of Life Point Church four years ago. I don't remember what I spoke on, but I can promise you it wasn't money. I mean, I'm not the brightest light on the tree, but I know not to open up a church with, with the first message. Hey, come and let come and see how you can give back to God everything that you know that He that He wants from your life. Nobody would have showed up, right? I mean, Jesus should have avoided this question. But he walked right into it because he loves us. And he was trying to teach a principle that he had taught all through the book of Matthew. That God grows my faith through my finances. And before we pray, that was, those, those are laid out in Scripture. God's view of himself and finances, I own it all. God's view of us and finances, you are managers, not owners. Tithe to show that and manage the 90. The last thing I have no biblical examples other than the Scripture's. And I want want to let the Holy Spirit just speak to you about this piece, because he's been speaking to me about this piece in my life. Leveraging the 90. God's view beyond you and finances, beyond me, beyond the tithe. God's already spoken about that. But leveraging is God's goodness to make a difference with the 90. I don't know how God's going to do that in your life and I'm going to let him speak to that directly to you. And I know they'll do that. God grows my faith. He grows it through relationships. He grows it through practical teaching. He grows grows it through pivotal circumstances. And he's always trying to do is get you to trust him more. And there was one area, it's the biggest shark to jump for all of us, It's God uses finances. not my faith to build my finances. That's what offends you on the TV preachers. I think that's why when Jesus spoke about money and they already knew, they knew about the tithe. He didn't have to go into all that like we did today because they already knew that. But I think that's why they walked away because the Pharisees always made it about earning and performing to get God's favor. And Jesus said, no, wait, listen, even with your cash, it's about acknowledging his favor. It's about acknowledging his love. It's about acknowledging his word in your life by obedience. Not to earn it. Look, I'm obeying. Do you love me more? He loves you the same. Hey, I'm doing this. I'm giving this. Do you love me more? I love you the same. I loved you when you weren't giving. But he uses that step of faith to build your life in whatever area it is so you will trust God.